Welcome to the Traveling On Radio Show, your premier source for travel news and information, featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, the Traveling On Radio Show on TalkZone.com. And hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us again this lovely week on the Traveling On Radio Show, the show that celebrates the responsible traveler. We're your host, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we are broadcasting from our studios right here in our nation's capital, right outside our nation's capital, actually. And we're happy to be here with you again today, and we have a great show lined up today, don't we, dear? Yes, we do. Uh, tipping off the show today will be Rick Webster, the Vice President of Public Policy for the U.S. Travel Association. He will update us on a new bill that's just been passed by the House, I think, the or, or the Senate, and is awaiting uh, House approval. It is a bill to uh, promote travel in the United States, travel to visitors from abroad here, and we'll learn more about that bill. And after Rick, Alexia Nestora returns to the Traveling On show to talk to us about the concept of voluntourism and discuss the findings of a new study she's just completed. And lastly, we will intro our author's corner today with author Cheryl Kane, a good friend of the Traveling On radio show, to discuss her new book, Volunteer Vacations Across America. And of course, you know, we've uh, launched also some new segments, um, travel philanthropy, travel tips and deals, uh, our author's corner, which Ian just mentioned, and um, volunteerism is, which is a key value of ours. Indeed. Uh, We'll certainly be spending a lot of time talking uh, about that travel concept today. And uh, and you can learn all about the great things that we're doing and just kind of follow us on our travels because we're we're on the go a lot. And uh, you can keep up with us on our social networks, Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and all the other ones out there. And also sign up for our newsletter and our weekly travel in deals. And you can do all of that from our website, travelnradio.com. That's travel N is a Nancy radio.com. And uh, speaking of legislative uh, updates, as Ian mentioned, our first guest, Rick Webster, is the vice president of public policy at the U.S. Travel Association. And for many years, Rick has been at the forefront of industry efforts to enhance facilitation of inbound travel to the United States, including the Travel Promotion Act, the act which was just uh, uh, passed in the sen- in the Senate, and uh, Rick is here to kind of give us a status update on this bill, and and really just kind of tell us what the Travel Promotion Act is uh, is meant to accomplish. Rick, welcome to Traveling On. Thanks so much, Tanya and Ian. Good to be with you. Well, Thanks we're happy to have us. you, and I I have a very important question for you, and this will this will set the tone for the rest of the segment. I I, I know you're a fellow Michiganian, and so I need to know. Are you a Spartan or a Wolverine fan? Well, you know, actually, uh, I went to college in Michigan, but I went to a much smaller college. Uh, but I do cheer for Michigan over Michigan State. Good, good <laughs> well, man. Good, thing good man. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm the Spartan. Ian's the Wolverine. So really, there that you you couldn't lose there. All right. <laughs> But uh, but we're always happy to welcome a, a fellow Michiganian on the show, even if you were there just for a couple of years. It's my adopted home state. That's where most of my family is from. So I accept that. Uh, oh, good. Well. You're good folk then, Rick. Now, tell us a little bit about the Travel Promotion Act. What is it and, and what is the current status of, of the bill? 
Sure. The Travel Promotion Act is legislation that would create a public-private partnership between the federal government and the private sector travel industry to do two very important things. First and foremost, to uh, better communicate U.S. Uh, security policies to prospective visitors around the world. We've done an awful lot uh, before and especially after 9-11 to make the country more secure. And we've We've added a lot of new requirements. In a lot of cases, it hasn't necessarily been communicated as well as we'd like to see to those visitors. So really, it's about communicating about America's uh, security policies and requirements, but it's also about promoting uh, the U.S. as the premier visitor destination in the world. There are mm -hmm. lots of destinations and companies that do that, but they, they promote their own product and they promote their destination. What we need is an overall national-level campaign to roll out the welcome mat and to let visitors around the world know they're welcome to come here. And and I know that, that the bill uh, just passed the Senate. Last year it didn't uh, go through, and, and now it's up for a House vote. What are what do you think the, the likely chances are of the House passing uh, the bill this year? Well, we're, we're very confident the House will, in fact, act on the legislation. It's sort of interesting in that, yes, the House passed the bill last year, and we got stalled a bit in the Senate, and now this year it's sort of reversed, and the Senate moved the legislation in a very strong bipartisan vote of 79 to 19, and we are confident the House will move uh, very expeditiously in the next couple of weeks on this legislation so we can get it to the president's desk. A president, I might say, who, when he was senator, was a co-sponsor of this very legislation, his vice mm -hmm. president also was a co-sponsor. His chief of staff was a co-sponsor. Several cabinet members, when they served in the uh, House or Senate, were also co-sponsors. So we've got great supporters and friends in, in the White House on this particular bill. Now, Rick, one of the issues that always comes up with travel is uh, the cost of travel. And between the failings of user fees and rising travel costs and taxes and uh, visas and, and, and so forth, uh, one has to really wonder if putting another tax is really going to make that much of a difference to visitors when they are perhaps spending thousands of dollars on, on a trip. What's the, uh, the USTA's position on, on, on additional taxes? As I understand, this would impose a fee on, on some travelers of up to $10 for those coming from countries where we uh, uh, have a, uh, don't have visas imposed on them. That, that's right. There would be a nominal $10 fee that would be charged no more than once every two years, and it's tied to something called the ESTA program, which is sort of a pre-check or pre-clearance for those uh, visitors coming to the U.S. from any of the 35 visa waiver countries, which are found in Western Europe, Eastern Europe, uh, and a few countries in Asia, uh, Australia, New Zealand, or 35 countries in the program, those travelers can come here for up to, up to 90 days for business and pleasure without the need and the hassle of going to an embassy or consulate to apply for an interview and to get a visa. So they already don't have that cost of $135 plus. We think the $10 fee is, is in fact, very nominal for someone who's going to spend $4,500, $5,000 uh, per trip. And we don't think it'll serve as a deterrent and, in fact, will help finance a program that will provide them better information about U.S. security policy and more information, frankly, about all of the things they can do in the United States. 
If you're just joining us, we're talking to Rick Webster, uh, Vice President for Public Policy at the um, U.S. Travel Association about the Travel Promotion Act. Um, Rick, I know that uh, that some of the travel industry professionals uh, abroad are, are not too keen um, about this, this uh, proposed legislation. How have... Uh, dem- travel uh, industry professionals domestically um, responded to to this legislation? Because I know USTA just held a roundhouse, uh, roundtable symposium actually in Washington, D.C. recently to uh, discuss this and other uh, legislative efforts to promote uh, travel here in the States. How how has the United States travel industry responded to this? Well, I mean, obviously, the, the the travel community here in the United States strongly supports uh, the Travel Promotion Act. We did have several hundred travel professionals from all over the country come into Washington last week. They met with their Senate and House delegations, and uh, particularly as they met with members of the House of Representatives, they asked them to co-sponsor uh, the TPA legislation, as we refer to it, uh, if they were not already co-sponsors. And as far as reaction from overseas, sure, there's some grumbling. Uh, I think they're particularly in the U.K. and some other markets in Europe. uh, They're not particularly pleased. We share their concern about taxes and fees. You know, I've been here at uh, U.S. Travel, formerly TIA, for about 16, 17 years now. I've spent years working on tax issues. We're not interested in loading up travelers with unnecessary taxes and fees. We believe this fee is dedicated for a specific purpose that will benefit the payers who are going to be paying this fee. And again, They won't pay it any more than once every two years. It's not for every trip coming into the United States. So it's it's not like the entry and exit fees all of us are going to pay when we travel to many of the countries in the EU or to places in Asia where on every trip we're paying those fees. So this is once every two years. We think it's a very small fee. And again, it's a fee that will be, as you're probably aware, be matched by dollars from the private sector. So, you know, we've got to put skin in the game to make this process work as well. To, to help finance this public-private partnership. So uh, the U.S. travel industry, the community is very committed to this. Now, Rick, one of the uh, things about uh, promoting travel, particularly as we look at it from our perspective, most Americans are are probably aware that states and, and cities and CVBs do a lot of the local travel promotion but when we promote America to the rest of the world, we really have to have the USA brand out there. And I am wondering, how is this going to impact some of those travel promotion efforts that have historically been uh, put forth by the cities and, and, and states who've spent the lion's share of that money? We really haven't seen the kind of resources invested at the very top level in terms of promoting the USA as a destination. Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. I mean, it, there are a number of companies that have the ability to promote internationally, a number of theme parks, airlines, hotel chains. You've got larger city destinations, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Orlando, New York. They've got offices abroad. Uh, we think there'll be some good synergy uh, between a national-level campaign around various themes around various regions to sort of highlight the fact that we want people to travel to the United States. Once you get a prospective visitor interested in coming to the U.S., then it's up to Las Vegas and New York. It's up to Disney and Universal to sort of fight for that traveler, if you will, up to the private sector, our private sector partners and members to, uh, to fight for that visitor. 
But again, they need the support at the national level where we're not only making changes and improvements as we've been doing for years to the visa process, to the entry inspection process. We're working to make that process easier for the international traveler, but we need to let them know post 9-11, we want their business. They're welcome to come here. Now, it's, it's obviously been a, a difficult time as we've dealt with the Great Recession and then all of the new security requirements that have arisen as a result of 9-11. And I'm wondering, how much of a challenge is it for, for our travel promotion message to kind of get out there with all of the security issues and concerns and overcoming those concerns with uh, potential uh, international visitors to the country? Well, there are real challenges, and, and you know we have supported really all of the, the post-9-11 security requirements, but the challenge is this. It's, it's one thing to say, okay, we've put these rules in place to keep you safer, to keep the American public safer, but oftentimes the government doesn't explain why. You know, it's sort of the what. It explains mm-hmm. the nuts and bolts, and not always very well, sometimes better than other times, but it doesn't really explain why, and it doesn't, it doesn't put it in language that the, the visitor can easily understand. Now, we've We've certainly pushed uh, DHS, Department of Homeland Security, and the State Department on this issue. So their communication campaigns uh, in recent years have been better, and that's great. What we're trying to do with this particular program is bring the authority of the federal government. They're the ones that create and, and write the regulations and, and you know establish these new security policies and procedures, marry together their authority and their expertise with private sector expertise and knowing how to communicate, knowing how to create promotion programs, knowing how to speak in the language of the prospective visitor from a particular market and understanding that a visitor from Japan is different than a visitor from the UK and is different from a visitor from, you know, Germany, for example. So we're Mm -hmm. trying to bring together expertise from the public and the private sectors to create this campaign to help us get over some of those hurdles. There are visitors that clearly are not interested in coming to the United States because they don't feel welcome. They feel like we don't value their business, whether it's coming here for a business trip or coming here for vacation to visit family. We need to get back into the marketplace and begin to compete for their business once again. Absolutely. And again, if Rick, I was very happy to hear you you mention that because I know when I worked for uh, Homeland Security, you know, we've recently, or we, I'm, I'm not there any longer, but uh, the uh, department um uh, implemented the U.S. Visits Program and other initiatives to uh, reach out to foreign travelers and, and to, to make them feel more welcome. And, uh, and so, you know, my, uh, my earlier question was, you know, how is your organization working with uh, DHS or, or whether or not you are? And, and, uh, and I, so I thank you for addressing that. Um, when you know when this bill is passed, and 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 we're, we'll assume that it that it will pass the uh, the house. Uh, I know it's also meant to establish a corporate a corporation for travel promotion. This is a public private partnership, as you mentioned. Tell us a little bit about the the board uh, for the corporation for travel promotion. Um, who will be expected to serve on that board, and how it will be managed. Sure. Before I do that, you mentioned the U.S. Visit Program. We work very closely with a number of components of DHS, including those folks who are housed over in Roslyn, Virginia, just across the river here. And they have done a wonderful job of creating effective communications programs. And we've said for years that other agencies within the federal government should model what they do because they do such a great job. But Mm -hmm. getting your question on the board, 
The board, as it's uh, constructed in the Senate legislation, would consist of 11 members from various sectors of travel and tourism, and they've got to have some knowledge and background on international travel promotion and marketing issues. But just to give you some examples, one representative of the hotel sector, uh, one from the restaurant sector, one from small business and retail, uh, travel distribution services, one from attractions or recreation services, one CVB, uh, Convention of Visitor Bureau for your, for your listeners, uh, one, two state tourism directors, and on down the line. So really, it, it takes in the, the, uh, the most significant sectors within the travel and tourism community and has expertise from those uh, various uh, sectors on this board to help to direct uh, the work of the, the nonprofit corporation. Okay. And, you know, we just have a couple of minutes left. And, and before you go, I can't let you go without talking, uh, asking you to talk about the discoveramerica.com website. You know, we, we have such a wonderful treasure trove of travel opportunities in this country. And Ian and I have been fortunate to experience a number of uh, domestic opportunities and in even secondary, quote unquote, secondary cities. Um, around our country. Tell us a little bit about discoveramerica.com, the website, and, and what it has to offer any visitor. Sure. Uh, discoveramerica.com grew out of a partnership. We talk about partnerships, and this is a great example, between U.S. Travel Association and the U.S. Department of Commerce. And there are there's a domestic version of what we call DA.com or discoveramerica.com that's really meant for this market here, but also We've got versions that uh, go out to markets in Canada, France, Japan, Germany, UK, and Mexico. Uh, and it's very important to reach out with, with great visuals, wonderful stories. And that's what discoveramerica.com does, is really it's sort of like the, the front door for the U.S., if you will. And it gives prospective visitors an opportunity to learn about various activities, regions, down to the city level. I was talking with a colleague here in the office the other day. I took a long trip with my family out west this summer, and they have wonderful information on all the discoveramerica.com sites on our national parks, just Mm -hmm. information, which are very popular right now, particularly in this more recessionary times, particularly from American visitors. But as I traveled this summer, I saw lots of European and Asian visitors in the national parks out west. So discoveramerica.com is a terrific sort of front door to learn everything you want to know about all the travel opportunities throughout the country. And again, that's for domestic markets here in the U.S. It's for our prospective visitors abroad. But it's a, a wonderful example of a partnership that really worked between our organization and the U.S. Department of Commerce. And, and, it, and it is wonderful, and we've used it uh, quite extensively. And uh, we um, wanted to thank you, Rick, for everything your organization is doing, and thank you for sharing some time with us on Traveling On. I would sing the Michigan fight song to Michigan State <laughs> fight song to you, but <laughs> I'll yeah, spare you that. Trouble there. Well, it's What's, a pleasure to be with you today, and I'm happy to join you in the future. Oh, well, you have an open invitation, my friend. And, uh, and certainly as, uh, as you continue to work on legislative efforts, uh, we'd love to, to have you back on our show to share that with our uh, listening audience. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you both Thanks so much. much. You're listening to the Traveling On Radio Show with Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. And uh, when we come back, we're going to learn a, wonderful things about a, a not a new concept but a growing tr- the growing trend of volunteerism we will see you on the other side of this break
sure the air in your home is healthy for your family to breathe. Testing for radon is easy. Just call 866-730-GREEN. Make it green, green, green. A message from the US EPA. Where can you book all of your travel needs at the best price? Purchase the latest travel gear and get the most current and comprehensive travel news and information? Travelinon.com. That's travelin-on.com. Whether you're a seasoned traveler, novice, or whether you're planning a long trip, or looking for a weekend getaway, travelinon.com has the tools to complete your travel plans. Go to travelinon.com. That's travelin-on.com, the traveler's best resource. Health officials are concerned about a new influenza virus of swine origin that's spreading from person to person. Officials are acting to combat this threat, but the outbreak could grow. Prepare now. Check with local leaders, schools, employers, and other community groups about their plans regarding an outbreak in your community. It's important for everyone to know what to do about swine flu. For details, visit www.cdc.gov swineflu or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from HHS. What if you didn't care about being on the fast track? Instead of flying to the big interview, what if you flew somewhere else altogether, like a village in Botswana or a tiny island in the Pacific where needs are easy to see? What if you decided to share your skills with others and help someone else get ahead? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. With great privilege comes great responsibility. Carter Fleming, Community Center Volunteer. The giving spirit is as passionate in the boomers today as it was in our 20s, and we as a generation can still impact our country. Lead, inspire, change the world again. Join thousands and find which volunteer opportunity is best for you. Call 1-800-424-8867 today or visit www.getinvolved.gov. This message is brought to you by the Corporation for National and Community Service on this station. Well, he moved early. That's going to draw the yellow flag. Offsides, number 72, five yards. Check out this fan leaving the game. He's headed straight up the middle and right into a sobriety checkpoint. Let's see how he handles it. No, officer. I haven't been drinking. I'm the designated driver. Upon further review, this fan made the right call by being a designated driver. Sign up to be the designated driver at the stadium and always buckle up. You could follow your favorite NFL team to the Super Bowl, provided as a public service by the station and team coalition. Now, more of the Traveling On Radio Show. And welcome back to the Traveling On Radio Show. Ian and Tanya here to talk some travel and uh, had a great segment there with a uh, good friend, Rick Webster of the USTA. Absolutely. He's a Wolverine. <laughs> at, at least he knows which team to pick oh, from. From Michigan. Uh, but in any event, we're going to shift our focus to volunteerism. And uh, it's one of the fastest growing segments in the travel marketplace. And we're going to talk to our volunteerism guru, Alexia Nestora of Lasso Communications, who's been with us before. Alexia, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. Well, we're happy to have you here. As we think about volunteerism, it obviously involves travel, volunteering, often for a charitable 
cause, and it and it involves putting in some time at a destination, perhaps a remote destination. And does it come at a cost to the traveler, or or is it something that can be done at a minimal cost for the traveler? You know, it, it's a very um, it's a very good question. Uh, there's there's a wide uh, a wide range, I would say, of volunteerism opportunities. So you can volunteer in the national parks in the U.S. and it can be very cheap. It can be the cost of your camping, or you can go to India and volunteer for a month, and you may go to an organization, and the organization is going to cost you probably two to 3000 plus whatever your airfare is going to be. So it can go from very cheap to very expensive, but it's really what sacrifices you're prepared to make is how cheap it can be. If you're willing to live with a family and not live in a five-star hotel, obviously going to be cheaper. And um, one thing that's, that's great about the volunteer vacations is they are tax-deductible, so a lot of people find that really appealing. Oh, I say, I mean, my ears just per- uh, perked up when you, <laughs> when you said that. I forgot, I forgot about that, but that is a very important point to, to mention that. Um, volunteer activity, volunteer travel is tax deductible. Now, Alexia, you've just, uh, I know you've just completed research in the area of volunteerism trends. Tell us a little bit about the state of the industry and whether it's growing or um, in decline because of the economy. Where, where are we now with this trend? Yeah, you know, um, we just finished the study in May, and um, we got some really great results. No study like that had been done before of the industry, so it was the first time we could really get a pulse and get the whole industry working together on one research report, which that in itself was a huge accomplishment. But, um, you know, in general, the recession has really helped volunteerism. It's no lot. People are, you know, no longer scared to take those three months off because if they've just been laid off, they have the extra time. A lot of people are getting really nice severance packages. All of a sudden, they got three, four, six months off that they can take to volunteer. Um, as well, college kids are deferring going to college or they're deferring starting a corporate world job for a year and taking that time off to volunteer. So. Overall, we found that 61% of the volunteer providers are actually expecting 2009 to be much bigger than 2008 was. So it really is, a, I mean, that's a huge growth trend in travel in this year. Is it, do you think it's because, uh, you know, people are looking for uh, transformational opportunities or because of a layoff or, uh, which is a major life-changing event, um, people just kind of want to take time out to, to regroup and, um, and, you know, give back? I mean, what, where do you see this, uh, this growth coming from and other than the, you know, the layoffs, et cetera, but from a perspective. It's been a growing trend, and I feel like um, the industry itself has evolved pretty well in the last two years. So I guess a few years ago, people knew of volunteerism, they'd heard of it, but they had no idea how to do it themselves. And now, all of a sudden, the industry has gotten a bit more web-savvy, people can find trips a lot easier, they can afford trips. There's been a couple, um, there's been a, the Serve America Act was just passed, which gives about a million dollars in uh, volunteer abroad scholarships as well as um, Travelocity is offering scholarships via their Travel for Good site. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, there's a couple of opportunities people who couldn't afford it before, and then all of a sudden they can find, you know, it's all of a sudden it's doable. People used to think it's only uh, Brad and Angelina can volunteer abroad. You've got to be a celebrity. you got to have millions. And now it really is for the everyday person. You can go to Uganda and work in Uganda for four weeks uh, in the middle of a village. It's 800 bucks for the land portion. That's what the companies are going to charge you. So all of a sudden, it's become kind of affordable. And um, 
you know, we looked at, in that study, we looked at people's motivations for volunteering. And the, the top two they said was, which is really good to hear personally, is um, the first one is they want to be useful. They really want to help communities. They want a genuine project. And then the second thing that they said was they want to come away and kind of have a personal learning experience. Feel like they've developed themselves as well as helped the community. If you're just joining us, we are talking to Alexia Nestoria of Lasso Communications as we uh, get some insights into volunteerism. And when we talk about volunteerism, it really encompasses a lot of activities. And I am curious, uh, so much of uh, the spotlight of volunteerism comes when we've had natural disasters. And so clearly disaster relief is uh, one aspect, perhaps kind of the... uh, kind of the more unfortunate side of volunteerism, but a, but a necessary port. But the other part of this is really helping to build communities and provide a learning and educational experience as uh, you spoke to. Uh, what are you getting a sense of uh, that people want to be part of? Do they want to be part of helping out even in a time of crisis where there may not necessarily be as much uh, 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 vacationing taking place as opposed to being part of a uh, kind of a set project where they know that uh, they are going to be contributing to the growth and development of a community? Oh, wow. That's a big question. Um, I will, if I forget something, let me know. Um, <laughs> I'll start with, you know, the fact over vacation over really a project. And um, yes, you've definitely seen a, a huge surge during disaster relief. And what people have started doing is not going necessarily to the area that's affected, but still going to the country and going to help mm-hmm. areas in the country that need the help, but don't have it because all the resources have gone to the coast or have gone to the mountains. So that's been a nice trend to see, I think. And then, um, you know, a lot of adventure travel companies have joined this kind of volunteerism trend in the last couple of years. And, um, they kind of have half vacation, half service. And those companies haven't actually done very well. They haven't sold a lot of trips. The ones that are 100% volunteering are still kind of the bread and butter, the things that people want to go on. So for me, I think that's a great time. People really want to go. They want to give back. They might plan a day or two um, before or after to go wander around and see the country. But their main goal when they're looking for an organization is, I want to volunteer seven days a week. Hard. I want to really make a difference. For me, that was an awesome thing to see. And um, as for activities, you know, teaching and building are still by far the most popular. Um, Building is kind of a self-explanatory. People can see what they've done at the end of it. It's something concrete. Um, Teaching as well. You know, you're not going to teach a kid English. You're not going to teach them calculus. But you might teach them their ABCs. And you might teach them how to count from 1 to 10. It is that kind of tangible, look what I've done, kind of a, a result. And um, I guess if I might my little get on my pedestal here for a second, but um, if, when people are considering taking a volunteer vacation, I would just advise them for activities. It's really been popular to push um, orphanage tourism, um, working in an orphanage. Um, be really careful of, I call them pet the children projects. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're, going, <laughs> if you're going to an orphanage for half a day, you're really not helping anybody but yourself. Um, you know, it's just, it's encouraging the wrong kinds of behavior in the kids. They're learning that foreigners mean money. You know, mm-hmm. foreigners mean gifts. I mean, it, it just creates a bad cycle. And but you know, consumers really want to. They really want that experience. If I went to an orphanage and I gave a kid a bike, or I went to an orphanage and I did this, and and I would just really request people to step back and see. Okay, 
not what you did. So how did the orphanage benefit themselves? And if you can really answer that question, then go for that project. But there's been a huge increase lately of Pet the Children projects. Thank you so much for for sharing that. And and um, I, I think sometimes as a as a journalist, I I you know I I. Uh, uh, commit faux pas and and uh, and <laughs> express opinions, but um, I I truly agree with you with you there. Um, I'm just curious in the study that you've just completed, did you analyze by any chance the um, growing trend of volunteer vacations, volunteerism, um, and its impact on organizations like the Peace Corps? Um, you know, we, we've had a little bit of. Of results on that, but we didn't do any specific questions related to it. But I do know from kind of hearsay from talking to the Peace Corps people that they have definitely seen a, a rise in applications. So <gasps> that's probably the only thing that I can <laughs> that I can oh. share of that. Oh well, I mean that that's a wonderful surprise because I was thinking you know volunteer volunteerism actually may be a competitor uh, to you know, something like the Peace Corps, which requires that you spend six months to two years on, on a project um, versus, you know, three months or a week or a month at a time. Um, so that that's actually a nice surprise. <laughs> it actually ended up being a really complimentary um, set of, I don't want to call them products, but set of ideas, I guess, um, just because a lot of people have done volunteer vacations now for a month, gotten the feel of it, and then really decided if Peace Corps was the right thing for them. And so we've kind of helped Peace Corps and volunteerism has kind of helped each other out. By we're, We hope that we're providing more qualified applicants for them, mm-hmm. applicants that are really kind of used to it and, and that have had a little bit of a taster of it, and now, okay, I want to go back and do it. And I've talked to a lot of alumni of volunteer vacations who have gone on to apply for the Peace Corps or have gone on to do something really service-oriented at home. Now, for those who are thinking about doing a... Uh a, a volunteerism trip, uh, how important, and just in terms of uh, the study results, how important is it to have a international focus versus uh, a focus that's more domestic? Does it seem that having the international component to it, the ability to travel abroad, is that an important selling point in, in, in getting folks to uh, take a look at volunteerism? Yeah, it definitely is. And uh, I think as trends like slow travel and green travel have come more to the forefront. People are looking for an opportunity to go and not only visit Peru, but they want to live with a Peruvian family. They want to really get deeper into the culture than your traditional tour has done. And so I think that's kind of the motivation is, okay, I can go and really live in a different country for a while. And I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's certain places in the U.S. where it is very different culturally and people can do that. But um, the U.S. volunteer opportunities tend to be shorter duration. So it is kind of going for a week or going for a weekend. You know, for New Orleans, you can go for a day and help build houses. You know, so it, that tends to be shorter. But if you're going abroad, it you know, you're going for at least a week. And so then you really have that cultural experience. People really like that kind of getting to know a family, being able to go back two years later and see the houses they built. That's kind of the, um, the motivating factor that we found for that international travel. 
Now, speaking of which, how can uh, people learn about travel opportunities, volunteer uh, vacations abroad? I know domestically we'll be profiling a, uh, a book that you're familiar with as well uh, in our next segment, um, Volunteer Vacations Across America. And I know that's one resource. Um, I would assume your website, volunteerismgal.com, offers some resources. Uh, but for those who are just now, you know, thinking about it and trying to decide on a project, um, how can they learn about opportunities? Um, you know, there's, I, I do have very limited stuff on my website. It's just a list of providers. So if people want to look at providers, they, they're welcome to do that. Um, otherwise, to be honest, Google. <laughs> as, as horrible as it is to say that, there isn't one um, site really that's there to conglomerate all the opportunities quite yet. Volunteer travel has been linked in with adventure travel, and it kind of gets mixed in with a bunch of these big um, travel websites. So you can't go on Travelocity and find it. Um, mm-hmm. I would recommend you know Googling volunteerism in the country that you're interested in or the content or the continent that you're interested in and um, see what the results are from there. And, I mean, people can always, I mean, if they have a question, if they have a real specific trip, anybody can always email me and say, hey, I'm interested in going to Kenya for four weeks. Who do you recommend? I'm happy to answer any questions. Yeah, because my, my concern, too, you know, with our to our listening audience or for our listening audience was they Google a supplier and they sign up with a supplier. There's really no organization or vetting um, instrument that uh, can help them make an informed decision about about such supplier. And, and so is there another way that um, people can protect themselves against fraud or anything of that sort? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's part of being an educated consumer, and I can give a couple questions that they can ask just to kind of do their due diligence. Um, one, I would ask to speak to a past volunteer, someone who's done that trip before. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the company is only going to give you somebody that had a good experience, but you'll be able to kind of get the nitpicky questions that you have about the bed linen or the water or the food, that kind of stuff that your typical person answering the phone to book it won't know. Um, you can really kind of so really speak to somebody and, and question them a lot. Um, ask the company where the money goes. So if you're paying $1,500 for two weeks, how much of that is going into the community? Um, there's arguments for and against if the money should actually go into the community. But um, either way, just make them answer that question. Um, mm-hmm. All responsible companies are used to getting that question or comfortable with their answer. If, it's, if they kind of brush you off, which most of the adventure travel companies will, um, I, would, I would doubt that I wouldn't go with them. But, um, okay. Now, Alexia, one of the things that you've mentioned is kind of this relationship with voluntourism and adventure travel, and it's kind of uh, opened a question that I'd, that I'd like you to address in terms of the study. Did it point to any generational trends uh, with respect to voluntourism? Is it uh, something that younger people seem more attuned to doing as opposed to older people? What are some of the trends that you're seeing in terms of generational effects? Uh, well, there's definitely um, a huge, uh, huge surge of um, college kids and high school kids. That's always been the bread and butter of volunteerism. Um, and then, to be honest, recently in the last year with the recession, we've seen a really big spike in 30 to 45-year-olds volunteering, and I, believe, I think that's because of layoffs and people taking time off. Um, and then there's another huge spike up after 60-plus and people have retired. So traditionally, it's kind of been 
both ends of the age spectrum. But um, now all of a sudden it's starting to level itself out a little bit more and we're seeing families come and young professionals. Oh, good deal. And uh, just uh, before we, we go, I want to welcome you back. I know you just returned from a trip to Italy, and it was yeah. a volunteer vacation. Um, in the last minute we have left, can you tell us a little bit about your experience there, what you did, what you saw, what you uh, experienced? Yeah, um, you know, it, it was a little bit of volunteering, but it was more of an adventure travel. But um, we were in the Dolomite Mountains with an operator called Dolomite Mountains. <laughs> and, um, uh, we were, it was hiking, um, eating a lot of pasta. And um, meeting a lot of really nice people. So um, it was a a great adventure travel place, and nobody really has heard of the Dolomites in the U.S. Um, I highly recommend everyone Google it. It's a beautiful place. Ah, well, next time I think, you know, it it would be appropriate to take a travel radio show and we could do a live broadcast with you. That would be fun. That would be really fun. Well, welcome back, my dear, and uh, thank you so much for uh, for coming on uh, the show again today. And uh, Always love to hear from you. Yay. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Alexia. That was Alexia Nestoro with Lasso Communications. And um, we are actually going to continue talking about volunteerism, but we're going to uh, keep our focus on America and and discover various places you can volunteer across America uh, during your vacation. You're listening to the Traveling On Radio Show with Tanya Nee and Fitzpatrick. And we will see you on the other side of this break. Whether you're traveling by plane, train, or automobile, make TravelingOn.com your first stop. At TravelingOn.com, that's TravelIn-On.com, you can get current travel news and information, buy the latest travel book, and find those great travel bargains. Visit TravelingOn.com, your premier source for all things travel. That's travelin-on.com and make sure to sign up for email specials and tune into the Travel and On radio show each week for a chance to win some great travel prizes. Health officials are concerned about a new influenza virus of swine origin that's spreading from person to person. Officials are acting to combat this threat, but the outbreak might grow, so be prepared. Store a two-week supply of food and water. Have two weeks of your regular prescription drugs at home. Keep health supplies on hand, including pain relievers and cold medicines. For more details, visit www.cdc.gov swineflu or call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from HHS. Every hour of every day, an American is diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. MS typically strikes between the ages of 16 and 50 when people are building careers and raising families. Today, there is no known cause or cure for MS. To learn more about this unpredictable disease, to volunteer, or to make a contribution to this important mission, please call 1-800-FIGHT-MS. You can make a difference by helping us stop this devastating disease. Please call one 800 Fight MS today. Thank you. Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross. Ron Garrett is on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack. Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life. When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. Would it be crazy if you packed your bags and left for a week, a month, a year? What if you left for two years? 
What if you were going far away to help in a village on the edge of the Gobi Desert? To spend time with people the rest of the world only reads about? To teach children and learn a thing or two about yourself? Would that be crazy? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. This is President Barack Obama. In the story of America, the greatest chapters are moments of challenge, when we see people serving their country and one another, volunteers who step forward into hospital corridors and church basements, along levees and fire lines. And the next chapter is yours to help write. Sign up to volunteer at usaservice.org. That's usaservice.org. Let's renew America together. A message from Renew America Together, brought to you by the Ad Council. Now, more of the Traveling On Radio Show. And welcome back, everyone. Ian Fitzpatrick here, along with Tanya Fitzpatrick on the Traveling On Radio Show. And today we're going to tip off a new segment on the Traveling On Radio Show. It's called Author's Corner. And today we'd like to uh, introduce one of our favorites, Cheryl Kane, to bring this segment to everyone. She's an adventurer, performer. In fact, she's a stand-up comedian. Oh, really? We're gonna have to we're gonna have to get some of her material <laughs> out uh, today, <laughs> even on a very serious topic uh, <laughs> such as volunteerism. She's a educator and prolific writer as well, and she's published two children's books, uh, created five newspaper and magazine columns around the country, and has contributed to many national publications, including the New York Times. Working Mother, and Shape Magazine, just to name a few. Cheryl was on our show several months ago to talk about her book, Immersion Travel USA, and she returns to Traveling On today to share her newly released book, Volunteer Vacations Across America. Cheryl, welcome back. Thank you. It's so great to be with both of you. Thank you so much, and congratulations on your new book. Tell us about the focus on America for this book. Well, I'll tell you, when I was writing Immersion Travel USA, and I was researching the helping section, which is volunteering, the 20% of that book, Immersion Travel USA, is about helping, volunteering. And I found that there were many books about volunteer vacations. However, they were about all over the world. And I Mm -hmm. said, you know, you don't have to cross an ocean to have a great volunteer vacation. And I felt that most of the books had maybe 30 trips about the United States, and I really wanted to devote a book solidly to the United States to educate people about what's out there, who needs help, where we can go, what we can do. My motto is, you know, visit new places, get involved, and give back. So I put together more than 200 volunteer vacation opportunities all over the United States, volunteering with people, communities, wildlife, the environment, and national parks. And, you know, as, as we mentioned in our previous segment, um, I think sometimes people um, may wait for a national or natural disaster or what have you. Like Katrina invoked a lot of um volunteer spirit you know a lot of people are were interested and are still interested in helping uh rebuild new orleans but we don't have to wait for a a crisis in order to to give back and the one thing i love about your book is that i mean it includes 
such a diverse range of volunteer activities from helping out in a homeless shelter to scientific research to wildlife uh, conservation. Um, tell us about uh, uh, just about the diverse offerings, volunteer vacation offerings that are out there. Thank you. That is was my goal. So it's really nice to hear you say that I did it. <laughs> you 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 did it, my dear. You scored. <laughs> Thanks very much. You can also find a lot of information on immersiontraveler.com, my website that's immersiontraveler.com. And also my book Volunteer Vacations Across America is available through amazon.com and Barnes and Noble. It's out there everywhere right now. And uh, today I'm offering free to all of your listeners if they send me a note, Cheryl, S-H-E-R-Y-L, at ImmersionTraveler.com, I'll send them a list of the top 10 free volunteer vacations across America. Well, how about that? There's a special offering on the Traveling That's On Radio fun. Show. You just never <laughs> know what you get here. Brand new. I wanted to surprise you with something. <laughs> well, thank you. They, that's very generous. And I will uh, have your email address um, available if anyone missed that address, Cheryl at ImmersionTraveler.com. If you uh, aren't writing as fast as I am or, or, or as slow as I am, um, I, will, uh, I will have this site available on our website for that's you guys. Great. And I want people to know that things for... Volunteer vacations are constantly coming up. This week, did you know that on the 26th of September, it's National Free Museum Day and Help Your National Park? And oh. there are national parks and state parks and all kinds of programs out there here in Connecticut at the Weir Farm, W-E-I-R Farm National Site. You can actually go learn how to and help them build and rebuild their stone fences, which are very popular here in, in New England and in Connecticut. And you can learn how to do them, which is so exciting. So you're not only doing something beneficial to help them, you're also learning a new skill. And that's what's so great. Have you ever been up to Acadia National Park? I know. Well, you got to no. get there. And it's gorgeous. And did you know that Every Saturday morning, there's so many Saturday morning activities. Every Saturday morning, you can go volunteer at Acadia. And there's a group of people that come in, you know, new, and some people are regulars, but there's always a group. And they go out and they work and they do all kinds of things. And one woman, Heidi, who I interviewed in the book, said that she even moved closer. (laughs) She loved it so much. She uh, moved up there so that she could do it on a more regular basis. And uh, she does most of her work over the Internet. I always say, have computer, will travel. And she said that it's so great because you can see the benefits of what you're doing right away, absolutely immediately. Or you can volunteer with elephants in Tennessee on Saturdays. Now, see, that's more my speed. (laughs) I'm I'm the animal. I'm the animal lover in in our family here. Tell us about this opportunity in Tennessee. Who would think elephants in Tennessee? Isn't that awesome? That just blows me away. And not only is the Animal Sanctuary in Hohenwald, Tennessee, they also have two habitats. They have an Asian Afri- an Asian habitat and an African elephant habitat. And it's very exciting to see that what they have replicated for animals who really 
you know, needed a place to live out their years after some people say that, you know, they shouldn't have been in zoos in the first place. But these elephants come from all over, all over the world, and here they they are living in Tennessee. Have you heard about the Puffin Project in uh, Maine? No, and oh. we should have just because of where we've, <laughs> we've recently come from. So. From Alaska. Were you like me? Did you think that puffins were just native to Alaska? I have to admit I did. Me too. I, I admit it, I did. And I just recently found out that they were also native to Maine, to the Gulf of Maine. Oh. They were wiped out. And the Puffin Project, through Cornell University and the Audubon Society, has reinstated a community of Puffin there. And you can volunteer with them throughout the summer. And you volunteer a week at a time. And most of these things are free. There's so many free activities out there that it's absolutely mind-boggling. And volunteer vacations are tax-deductible. I know. We, we, we actually um, highlighted that point in, uh, in the earlier segment, which is a very important thing to, uh, to remind people. And it was a great reminder for us. And, you know, I'm looking through your book, looking at the endangered elephant. Uh, I'm, I'm back on my elephants now because that just really appeals to me. <laughs> and I'm trying and to not fe- monkeys, dear? Well, no, if they're, you know, anything with monkeys, too. I mean, I, I'm, I love animals. I should say primates. Well... Uh, <laughs> There's the gibbons, and they're there. Um, <laughs> did you see them? The pictures are awesome. I'm and, looking. <laughs> oh, I interviewed a young woman who came from England to volunteer here in the United States, which I thought was so awesome. Oh, and, I see the baby. Oh, <laughs> page 208 for anybody who has your book right now. Okay, it's. Fantastic. I had so much fun putting this book together. I want everyone here to know all of the fabulous things we can do. Have you heard of the Heritage Conservation Network? Yes, we have. Aren't they awesome? You know, there there are so many of those organizations out there, and I know you've highlighted them in in your book and... um, you know, I just encourage people to to really, and we do, before I forget, we actually have, um, we've given away a couple of copies of your book over the summer, right after it came out, and uh, we have another copy to, to give away to a, a listening audience member. Um, we'll just say the fifth person who emails us at uh, radio at traveln-on.com and our contact information is on our, on the website at travelnradio.com um but uh but yeah there's there's so much information and you know one of the other interesting things that i noted in your book is that um you mentioned that housing during a volunteer vacation can also be very diverse and some individuals can actually live in a treehouse, which I think is the coolest thing. Isn't that wonderful? That's at D Acres, and that's up in New Hampshire. We're hitting New England with a few of these. <laughs> we're going to have to spread out in a few minutes. Oh, no, we were just in New Mexico a few minutes ago in Tennessee, so I guess we're okay. But right, we're covering Acres, this country. Did you see the, the lovely pig? The D Acres pig is right up front <laughs> in the book. And <laughs> you can also work with pot-bellied pigs. Oh, <laughs> so many things we keep getting on the animals. But D Acres is a fabulous experience where you can go and you can learn how to live closer to the to the land. 
Mm. And um, people have gone there and, and really gotten in touch with another side of themselves. They call it conscientious living. Well, speaking of which, Cheryl, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I want to ask you to talk about some of the transformative or transformative experience that a volunteer vacation offers. In your book, you've offered some personal stories of people who have volunteered, and, and particularly in the, um, the, the first chapter that uh, deals with um, people making connections and transforming lives. Talk a little bit about some of those transformative experiences in the, the 60 seconds or so we have left. <laughs> Thanks so much. That really is true. Volunteers, I interviewed more than 200 volunteers, and people say that it changes their lives forever, that they leave one person and they return home another. And that's the greatest thing about doing volunteer vacations right here in the United States, because you can connect with people, you can stay in touch, and you can revisit. And that is what makes it such a big difference. You're contributing directly to people one-to-one right now. And there was a little girl who I interviewed who said that she went out with her family to a reservation in Arizona. And when she came home, everyone was talking about what they liked the best. And she said, I like the lady who knew everything about medicine and plants and dirt. And and that's what really hit her, that here was a person who lived, who knew about everything in her environment and who just walked with her and talked with her and showed her different things. And they really got a charge, too, out of shearing a lamb, which they'd never imagined doing anything like that. So Mm -hmm. it's really amazing to get to have different experiences. And I just want to mention, too, Heritage Conservation Network, for people who aren't familiar with it, if you have a community where you have... um, a housing project or you have something that needs rebuilding, something historic, they help the community do that. They bring in volunteers to help you. So it's absolutely amazing what you can get done right in your own place, helping Mm. people, communities, wildlife, the environment, and national parks. Cheryl, and I think one of the great things about uh, your book is that it really is a book that helps to rebuild America from from small communities to to big cities to the uh, countryside and so forth and so there's something there for everyone whether they are you know a city person or a country person we can kind of have a different experience just by volunteering that's right and you don't have to have particular skills you might just be a talker like me. <laughs> you need people who can help organize other people who can just talk and connect. And well, the, you know, making people laugh is is a gift, too. And, and Cheryl, we thank you for spreading your joy with us on uh, the Traveling On Radio Show. Cheryl Kane, author of Volunteer Vacations Across America. And thank you to our listening audience for joining us today. We're looking forward to connecting with you during the week um, on Facebook, Twitter, and all the a slew of uh, social networks that we belong to and certainly uh, invite you to sign up for our newsletter and uh, weekly travel deals which are hot 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 off the press in uh, last minute at travelnradio.com it's been a pleasure and uh, we look forward to seeing you same time next week same time same frequency until then happy Happy travels. travels
Looking for the latest travel book? The hottest item in travel gear and clothing? Or are you researching a destination? Or looking into the most current travel regulations or warnings? If so, visit TravelinOn.com, your one-stop shop for travel resources. At TravelinOn.com, that's Travel-N-On.com, you can get the latest travel news and information and shop for all of your travel needs. TravelinOn.com is your premier source for all things travel. That's TravelN-On.com. Well, he moved early. That's going to draw the yellow flag. Offsides, number 72, five yards. Check out this fan leaving the game. He's headed straight up the middle and right into a sobriety checkpoint. Let's see how he handles it. No, officer. I haven't been drinking. I'm the designated driver. Upon further...